Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the Outkick Network. Chad Withrow with you. Jonathan Hutton not in today. He'll be back on Monday. Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, good friend of the show, good friend of Outkick, does shows with Outkick, in fact. The Fade with Clay Travis and Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas. You can uh, watch that show weekly. She's our special guest co-host today. Thrilled to be joined now by NBA player Orlando Magic player Jonathan Isaac on with us right now, fresh off a big win over the Cavs. Last night, and uh, he's been in studio with us before here in Nashville and joining us now. Jonathan, how are you, man? What's happening? What's happening? I'm glad to be here. Well, first off, congrats on the win last night. Uh, good season so far for the Magic, currently in seventh place in the Eastern Conference in the playoff standings. And a lot going on with you. When we had you in studio, uh, we talked about your Unitas brand, and now the Judah One Shoe. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, something I'm super excited about. Again, thank you guys for having me. Uh, the season has been, I'd say, pretty good so far. Uh, we definitely got a lot of learning to do down this back stretch, but I feel good about where we're going to end up and and heading into this playoff chase and everything like that. But the Judah one is my NBA signature sneaker. And what's what's exciting about it for me is that it is the first NBA basketball signature shoe that features a visible Bible verse on the outside of the shoe. Um, meaning chapter and verse is visible on the backside. So if you can see that one right there, that is the Judah one triumph. And it has second Corinthians four, nine on the backside there. And so uh, Unitas as a whole is a sports and apparel company. That's an alternative to many of the other uh, sports and apparel companies that are out there, but we specifically champion Christian faith and uh, uh, conservative values. And so we've been doing that and it's been, it's been growing and I'm really excited about what we're working on now and, and how I see it growing in the future. And you're very upfront, uh, Jonathan, about your faith, and I, I love that about you. You're you're not censored with it or anything like that, and, and you've always pronounced that faith. Do you feel like it's becoming more accepted when you talk about your faith and you look around at what's happening? I know there were the Super Bowl ads with "He Gets Us," that was a right. uh, a Christian related ad campaign that aired during the Super Bowl. Is it about the same? Is it less widely accepted? How do you feel like your message and when you talk about your faith is being received? You know, that's tough. I, I feel like there are so many people who have some type of um, understanding of faith, especially Christian faith living in America. And I feel like as people see the world getting crazier and crazier, there's a section of people that are definitely more in tune and like, OK, when they hear something about God or Christ, like they're for it. Um, but then at the same time, as the world you know, kind of goes in the opposite direction, there is more. I'd say hostility at the same time for for folks as well. So I think there's definitely a balance. Um, you know, when it comes to our uh, culture and media, that I think there's definitely still um, difficult to get a Christian message through. Um, but I think channels like you guys is and other channels are also propping it up and promoting it more and more each day. Jonathan, I know that uh, you have a new shoe out, but I actually was gifted your book by a good friend of mine, Kelly, and oh, wow. I. 
I love the message. So can you touch on that kind of piggybacking on what Chad said and, and why you stand and the message for somebody maybe who hasn't read your book and the importance of standing up for what you believe in? Yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad you got a chance to check it out. Uh, so yeah, so the, the book is Why I Stand. Um, and it talks about my journey to standing in the bubble back in 2020. Uh, you have the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and organization. And for me, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and organization specifically, um, I didn't feel you know heard by or in tune with. I didn't agree with their message, their tone, their rhetoric. And I, I leaned, leaned on my faith. You know, I looked at what happened to George Floyd and just everything that plagues our country and society really, you know, globally, and said the only answer that is a sufficient answer, in my opinion, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to wear the t-shirt. I'm not going to kneel for the national anthem. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to share the gospel, which says that we all fall short of God's glory. We've all done wrong. We've all made mistakes. And if we choose to love each other the way that God loves us, which is in spite of our sin, in spite of our shortcomings, white, black, and indifferent, then we could have real change. And so, um, what, what makes that difficult is because it was in such a polarizing time and it was something that was really difficult to do. You know, I knew I was going to take, you know, tremendous backlash and I chose to stand anyway. And it talks about the courage that it took to do that, um, leaning on my faith and and hoping to inspire others that as we, the world continues to get crazy and crazier, we'll all stand together for our shared values. Yeah, I, I really resonated with that. At the time, I did work for NBA TV. I remember covering the bubble while it, albeit oh, wow. remote. <laughs> and I felt like I wasn't allowed to say actually how I felt. So your book was absolutely incredible to me. So I commend you for it. Uh, I'd like to pivot just a little bit, though, because now I'm the, we'll call it the resident, resident gambler, if you will, here at, okay. uh, at, at OutKick. And I know you can't really talk about that kind of stuff. But somebody, you know, asked me, hey, Cal, let's watch the... NBA All-Star Game. Let's watch the three-point contest. This is who I like. Let's watch the dunk contest. And I was kind of disappointed. I feel like there was a peak of the contest that was really exciting. And then it kind of just started to fall off. If you were in charge of the NBA, what would you do differently for the All-Star Game? I, I think the only thing that is going to, you know, and, and maybe it is unfortunate, right? You know, a lot of the, the older, you know, guys that are out of the league now, they had that that kind of ambition and drive to say, you know what, when I get to the all-star break, we're going to show out and we're going to put everything into it where, um, you know, now it's, it, that's, that's, that heartbeat or that sentiment isn't really there. And guys are using the all-star break as a chance to, to take a break. Cause it is really needed. You know, our, our guy, Paolo, you know, went to all-star and he played every single day and he came back and he's toast. He's, you know, under the weather, you know, already since he's gotten back. And so um, it's a difficult thing to balance, but I do think the only, true answer to having the highlights of also like we've had in the past is we have to create more incentive for the players. There has to be something on the back end from the NBA or something that, that gets these guys to say, you know what, I'm going to put forth effort um, into putting on a show. So I don't I know what that. that is. If it's yeah. money, if it's something, but something has to be winnable um, both the, for all the contests, the three point, the dunk contest, the skills challenge. If you put real, real prizes, you know, guys will show up. Well, and it's you mentioned the word balance with that, you know, how you balance these things and incentivizing things. And I mean, in our profession, you know, in anybody's job, ambition is one thing and looking out for yourself is certainly one thing that everyone has to do in life and professionally. But, you know, Christianity teaches people to be servants too, right? And to show servant leadership and to serve others at all times. And I have to think, Jonathan, that's got to be a tough tug of war 
for the modern NBA player. And what I see in the NBA, and you may see something totally different, but it is a mentality that's entrenched in the young athlete to only look out for themselves. That if I need to rest because I'm not feeling great, it doesn't matter if people showed up to watch me tonight. I'm not going to play. I got to look out for number one. I got to look out for myself. And I don't necessarily see that servant leadership mentality a lot of times in terms of serving the audience or going out and giving your all because it might be someone who drove three hours to see this one player one time and then they're not playing that night for whatever reason. Do you feel that tug of war happening within the NBA in terms of serving the fan? You know, I, I can appreciate that perspective that you're that you're laying out there. Um, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, um, but I also think of the flip side, right? Guys go to all-star break, they go all out, they get injured, 27 games left in the season. Um, you know, you, you look at the Joel Embiid situation, you know, they, 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 you know, cut the games where you have to play a certain amount of games. He tries to play injured, you know, to a degree and injures himself further. And so I, I, it really is tough. Um, but th that's, that's a part of the league being the league. They have to figure out that tug of war and find a way to incentivize the guys, but also allow, um, you know, NBA players to be NBA players, you know, their rest is important. Um, and, and finding pockets inside of all-star break to make sure that guys are getting, you know, the rest that they need, time to spend with their families, and then being able to perform as well. So I, I definitely don't feel like it's an easy thing to do. It's not an e it's easy compromise to make, but, you know, compromise does have to be made on both sides. And the sentiment that NBA players do need to put forth a better foot forward on serving the audience to continue to grow the game is, is, a, is a true one. What do you think is the biggest misconception about the NBA today? It's something that you've you know heard from people, from critics, whatever, that you being inside of an NBA locker room and being in it, you know, you're playing minutes last night and a win over the Cavs that you see that maybe not the common fan would see about the league that is a misconception. Uh, a misconception that I've heard. If I had <laughs> I really don't know, honestly. If I had to uh if I had to think of one. I would just say that guys really do care. You know, I, I think there is a uh, there's a there's a tone of, you know, the superstar and, and guys not really putting forth effort. But the 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 life of an NBA player being away from your family, the work that it takes to get here, the work that it takes to play, you know, night after night after night, like these games show up like, you know, we got back to backs. We got one day rest. We got two days rest practice, all these different things. It really does take a toll on you know, your mental, your, your body just, and then you have all the life that takes, that takes course outside of that. You know, I've got a baby girl at home. That's, you know, nine months now that I don't get to see that too much during the, uh, during the season. And so, um, it, it really is tough. Um, but I, again, I think it's that balance thing. Fans need to know that the NBA culture and world needs to know that, but the NBA players have to continue to put their best foot forward as well. Congrats on, on your nine month old baby girl, by the way, and uh, congrats on all the success with, the apparel line uh, with the new sneaker, the Judah One. And for anyone out there that, that's interested in buying these, seeing all the gear that you have, where should they go? Yeah, thank you so much. They can head to weareunitus.com. Weareunitus.com. Uh, a lot of the Judah One is sold out already, so we're working on a restock right now. So if your size is still available, please grab it. You know, it really does help us continue to grow as a company and a brand. We want to be a, a, a nationally recognized um, brand that stands up for our values. And to do that, we need your support. Jonathan Isaac, one of the best out there. Great guest here on the show and, and doing great things. Jonathan, really appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank you. Jonathan Isaac or the Orlando Magic.
Kelly, we're talking about, uh, you know, impact, you know, giving it your all and people who are doing great things for sport. And I think Jonathan's a guy who's doing a great, great things for humanity, not just for the NBA or not just for the sport. Caitlin Clark is someone I would qualify as great for co- women's college basketball in women's hoop. Has helped the sport immensely. Has helped Iowa Hawkeyes, Lady Hawkeyes, Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball uh, profoundly in her time there. And we're seeing that all the time. This video we're going to show of the line at Indiana to watch Iowa and Caitlin Clark play against the Indiana women's team that sped up to show uh, how long this line game. is. This is not, yes. this is a road game. This is what's so crazy about her. Um, and you're absolutely right. They have taken college basketball by storm. Chad, I all of a sudden just started caring about K-State women's basketball about a good. year ago. They're very good. Because they're good. And when players are good and players are exciting to watch, more people are going to tune in. Caitlin Clark is an absolute stud. We watched, we just talked to Jonathan Isaac. And what did one thing we didn't touch on that I thought was pretty cool during the All-Star game, and I'm gonna butcher her last name, but it's not my job to know them, unlike you. Uh Sabrina Ionescu versus Steph Curry. You nailed it. She was ba- she was banging down threes. I mean, I thought there was a chance there for a minute. Hey. She got really hot out of the gate. She could actually beat Steph Curry. Now, Steph, you know, banged down a few more than she did. But it was fun to watch because, you know, we always have a debate here on OutKick about men and versus women in sports and kind of proved uh, a theory of Clay Travis's, if you will. But it is, it is fun to watch good players, men, women, whatever. Caitlin Clark is one of those women. She's exciting. She's awesome. And I, I would argue, much like Kenny Smith, I think that Ionescu would have won had she shot from the WNBA line. She chose to and shoot that- further back from the NBA line. Now, granted, with the women's basketball, obviously, which she shoots with normally, but I think if she shoots from her line, she probably wins the thing. Yeah, I, you know, and that was one thing I, I didn't realize at the time. I had read it in the rules that she could shoot from the WNBA line. But I hadn't quite put it together. We were watching at a bar and midway through, my buddy goes, she's shooting from the NBA line. And I was just <laughs> kind of taken aback by that. Caitlin Clark, when she hit the uh, hit the record, that was way farther than an NBA three. I mean, she banked it from way downtown. These women have always been exciting to watch. I mean, if you remember, uh, you know, maybe Mr. Naismith, everybody want to do a little history lesson, created the game for women uh, fundamentally. They are more fun to watch. Granted, not always the same amount of scoring. And uh, Caitlin Clark is 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 pioneering a we'll call it a rejuvenation of women's sports, right? Yeah, Look, just like we've saw in Tennessee for years. Uh, you guys absolutely dominated women in South Carolina, women in uh, in Waco, Texas, with University of Baylor, LSU women. I mean, this is really starting to pick up steam, and it's exciting. Yeah, and a good example of NIL really hitting home the way it should, I think, is a Caitlin Clark. And I'm sure what she's making in the deals she already has at Iowa, she's going to make more uh, at Iowa to come back for a COVID year next year, likely than she would as the number one pick in the WNBA draft. There's a lot of possibilities of what she could decide to do next. Uh, clearly, Kelly agrees with me that Caitlin Clark is great. She is a great basketball player, great for the women's game, and a great women's basketball player. Jay Williams of ESPN, for whatever reason, has a difficult time admitting that Caitlin Clark is great. And when 
He sort of kind of tried to talk his way out of this word pretzel about her being great, but also confusing just saying she's great with claiming she's the greatest of all time, which I think are two different arguments. Uh, This was the end result as he's talking about this with Dave Pash during the LSU-Kentucky game. So you stand. First of all, you're standing by your Caitlin Clark comment. From well, we were talking this past about we were weekend. talking about greatest. I mean, I hear people talk about goats, right? For me, like, okay, I'm like, okay, you want to be a goat? Like, fine. Like, there's levels of greatness. You got to win championships to be goats. So when people want to don her as the the greatest, of, I'm like, let's slow down. I've seen Donna Taurasi. I've seen Brianna Stewart, and you can sit there and tell me all day long. Well, she's played with other great players. Okay, great championships. That's how we measure greatness overall. So you're saying she's a great player, but you're not putting her in the pantheon of the greatest of all time until she wins a title. Yes. Okay. That's, and that's my opinion. That's 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 okay. I, I just, you know, we qualify Tom Brady the best at winning championships. After review, we're taking the foul off by rule. So incidental contact is what they determine. So no foul on, on Yenso. Look, I... I understand what you're saying. I disagree. It's okay. I understand wait, wait. what you're saying. I, I is think she the greatest of all time? Is Caitlin Clark the greatest she, of all but, time? But to you? I don't. I don't know that she's the greatest of okay. all time. She's the best offensive player that I've seen. I said that in my comment. I said she's the most prolific scorer the game of basketball potentially has ever seen. Her range is something we have not seen in it's the women's incredible, game. Incredible, spectacular. Reeves picks up the foul. His third. So. I guess what I'm trying to help you with here is you're saying she's great because it came off as if you're saying she wasn't. Yeah, you're saying she's great. You're yeah, just not great. putting her in the Brady category of the All best time. we've ever yes. seen. And I think that's fair. I think we need to see how this rest of the season plays out. I'm with you on that. Okay. I don't think that it's, it's an outrageous comment like a lot of people felt. Well, based on how you just clarified well, people, well, that. well, people didn't hear me when I said it's another turnover by Kentucky once again. People didn't hear words like prolific. Yeah. People didn't hear words like in order to be in the pantheon or into the levels of immortality. You mean we're just going to clip three seconds of a 30-second comment? That's what happens. That That's really? apparently what happens in the media. Yeah. You said she wasn't great. Like, I'm sorry, Jay, but words do matter. The the argument on college game day and what you were saying was not, is she the greatest of all time? You said the way I define great is championships. And I can't say that she's great because she hasn't won a championship. There are two different things we're talking about here. Words matter and there's nuance involved. If you want to argue she's not the greatest of all time, when her career is not yet over, I'm fine to hear that argument. I might even agree with you. But to say that she's not great is ridiculous. We would all say Reggie Miller was a great NBA basketball player, never won a title. Uh, Larry Bird was a great college basketball player, did not win the NCAA title, finished second at Indiana State. Charles Barkley, a great example. Also, great, right? Words matter. Great example by Kelly. Caitlin Clark, great. Charles Barkley, great. Reggie Miller, great. Larry Bird in college, great. Not necessarily the greatest of all time. He's changing his argument over and over, which really bothers me. Because guess what? When you're emotional and you're in the midst of providing an argument, and sometimes you don't say things either correctly 
or then you hear yourself at a later date and you got to walk it back. And that's exactly what he was doing in that clip. He knows he's wrong. So he's like, oh, well, we were talking about greatest of all time. That's all that is. He knows that he screwed up. She is, in fact, great. She is now the lead, the all-time scorer in women's college basketball. Congratulations to her. That alone makes her a great college basketball player. I agree. Let's see if they can win a national title, whether it be this year or next year. You have to remember, too, Caitlin can't do it on her own. She's got to have a better support system. Sometimes her team is very supportive, and other times they've kind of faltered. Now, I will say this. Jay Williams, and I'm not a Jay Williams apologist necessarily, but I I really think he knew he was wrong. And instead of just saying, all right, I was wrong, he tried to walk it back in an awkward kind of way during the middle of a Kentucky basketball game. Well, his his broadcast partner gave him the out to say, hey, do you want to clarify? You know, obviously she's great, but you were talking earlier about not being the greatest of all time. Instead, he just starts twisting himself into a pretzel again and still would not say she's great. So I've got no sympathy for Jay Williams on this one because he misworded it when he's on television on college game day. He misworded it again when his buddy was trying to help him and say, hey, man, you want to say that uh, what we all know, that she's great? And then when people get mad about the word pretzel twice, he goes from his hotel room and cuts a video saying, I'm tired of the race baiting. That's going on and pitting Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark and my thoughts on her because he's playing horse with Angel Reese at LSU before the LSU men's game and, and Caitlin Clark. And I'm thinking, dude, it's just it's okay to just say she's a great player, but maybe not the greatest of all time. I'd like to see her win a title. I'll also say this about Caitlin Clark. Um, no disrespect to her teammates. I don't know a single one of their names. And when I watch them play, it reminds me of me in a men's league when I'm out of shape and just standing behind the three-point line hoping someone will drive that's good and kick it out to me for a wide-open three. That's her teammates. Like, that's their entire offense is it revolves around her. I wasn't going to say that, and they're all just I mean- they're all just playing it at the line, and it looks like, like every high school girls basketball player we've seen that's got a yeah. sweet three-point stroke, but they're not doing anything else. Like, they're not helping it's- at all. They aren't. And I I was trying to be kind about it. Um, I actually got to catch when K-State upset them. I was in the Bahamas for the men's basketball tournament. It was on in the sports book. And it was awesome because Iowa women's basketball and Caitlin Clark. That is the only reason why I was excited to watch a women's basketball game because of her. I wanted an entire team to beat her because you're absolutely right. She doesn't get a lot of support from her teammates. And well, I shouldn't say support. We'll say uh, she gets a lot of assists from her teammates. She gets a lot of passes from her teammates. But as far as scoring goes, it makes a lot of sense why she's now the all-time scorer in women's basketball because they live and die by her. It's very Larry Bird-like, right? When you go back and think of Indiana State making a national championship game, because of Larry Bird, I look at Caitlin Clark supporting Caskin. No disrespect. I'm sure they're great teammates. They work hard, all those things. But if she get, she got them to a national championship game, if she can get them a national title, that's the, maybe the greatest uh, team sport accomplishment for an individual athlete we've ever seen when I, when I watch her teammates. So Travis Kelsey accost Andy Reid in the middle of a game. And I was thinking when it happened, I'm like, I can't wait to get Kelly in Vegas on the show because I want to ask her perspective because I know she's going to have a good one from both the sports fan perspective, 
But also, if you are Taylor Swift, all right, let's, uh, let's erase that. You're Kelly, okay, and hypothetically, Travis Kelsey is your boyfriend. How do you react to watching your boyfriend melt down the sideline, go nuts like that, nearly knock over a pretty feeble old man, big guy, but pretty feeble old man, He's pretty curse stable. at him. He's pretty stable, but he's old. I mean, I've seen him walk off the field. It's not great at times, okay? Could have easily knocked him down and hurt him in some way. But when you witness that happen, Kelly the sports fan versus Kelly the girlfriend, what is the perspective? Okay, instead of sports fan, I'll give you Kelly as Niners money line backer. Okay. <laughs> I eject him. Get him out of here. Yeah. He's done. Don't let him back in the game. Uh, Kelly, who loves her some toxic masculinity, yeah. Fire me up, inject it into my veins. I am all for passion. I am all for uh, excitement. Look, he wanted to get put in the game. I get it. Did he go a little overboard? Sure. Is everybody else melting down over it? Yes, they are. The guy's got passion. I said on this show with Hutton, oh, maybe a month ago, that he is totally not up my alley. uh, And he's still not. But he is one of those guys that is going to give his all. And he wanted a chance to take the game into his own hands. And uh, he wasn't getting it. I mean, God, we've seen Tom Brady throw Microsoft surfaces and break them. We've seen Patrick Mahomes after a game, not shake hands with Josh Allen and kind of whimper off. Like this at least was like a hyper masculine moment, if you will. And I, I was for it. Minus now, the fact that I had the night. Now, when we're going to come back with this a little bit later, Kelly. And now I want to get the girlfriend perspective of it. You liked it as the sports fan, the better, the sporting side, the passion, hyper mask and all that. We'll get the Kelly, the girlfriend perspective coming up a little bit later. But first, I'm being told right now, Tennessee uh, AG Jonathan Skirmetti and Virginia AG Jason Marias, they're on the line. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we'll get to the bottom of – maybe the biggest win against the NCAA in history. We'll talk to the attorney generals that made it happen. That's next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
We're back on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow coming to you live from our downtown Nashville studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. It's an eventful day in college sports. The states of Tennessee and Virginia, they've been granted their injunction from the Eastern District of Tennessee against the NCAA and the implications, well, they're going to span out for uh, a lot of people involved and we are lucky enough right now to be joined by the attorney generals of both the states of Tennessee and Virginia, AG of Tennessee, Jonathan Skirmetti, and Jason Miarez, AG of Virginia, on with us right now on Hot Mike. Gentlemen, uh, first off, congratulations on this ruling today. I know a lot of hard work has gone into this. Thank you for taking the time to, to join us. And uh, Attorney General Skirmetti, I'll start with you on this because you've joined our show before and you had mentioned you're fighting on behalf of student athletes and prospective student athletes in Tennessee. So what does this ruling today, what does this mean for those student athletes and prospective student athletes in the state of Tennessee? This means student athletes can get the best deal out there on NIL. Uh, they're able to talk to collectives before they make a decision. They're able to see what their opportunities are, what their options are, and make an informed choice. And nobody has to. Those are clear. The rules are if they want to talk to a collective, they can talk to a collective. And Attorney General Miarez, um, in the beginning, I think everyone knew, okay, they could see the path and the line as to why Tennessee was getting involved in this, but uh, someone had the question, why Virginia all, also involved in this? What, what drew the state of Virginia into this lawsuit, into this fight on behalf of student athletes? Well, I mean, we have several uh, college athletic programs, obviously in Virginia, but really what this has been is something that's been on my mind back when I was a state legislature. I actually put in legislation to help create what we now know as NIL before it was very well known. And the reality is the NCAA for years, for decades, in my opinion, have been exploiting these student athletes. They signed an $8.8 billion television contract with CBS Sports for just the men's basketball tournament. Students don't seem a dime of that. And whether it is a, a basketball or football stadium or arena that's built in, in Tallahassee or built in Athens or Tuscaloosa, uh, Nate Chapel Hill, the reality is so many student athletes put their blood, sweat, and tears into these programs and for decades upon decades, they never received a dime. And so, you know, my attitude has always been let these students, if I was a computer science major in college and IBM wanted to reward me for my talents while I was still a student, everybody else would say, that's great. That's the American way. It's a freedom of contract issue. And, and for us, it's about empowering these students that have built so many of these programs. These are billions upon billions of dollars of revenue that's been generated. And so ever since uh, NCAA versus Alston, the Supreme Court's indicated that the NCA is really running afoul uh, of our antitrust laws in the United States. And so we view ourselves as attorney generals as the people's protector. That means also protecting our student athletes, and it's about empowering them. And so we're very, very great, uh, grateful for the preliminary injunction. I know a lot of Tennessee fans, a lot of college sports fans were on the edge of their seat uh, ever since the hearing to try to get this ruling and, and try to know when it was going to happen. And we heard a lot of different windows of time where this ruling could come down. A.G. Scrimetti, I'll start with you on this one. When you put forth the effort you do and you're putting yourself out there and the state of Tennessee out there in a, in a lawsuit like this and you're trying to get something done, is the, as, as Tom Petty would say, is the waiting the hardest part in the end? 
when you're having to wait back on a ruling? How do you handle that time in between where you've put out, you put forth your effort in the hearing and then waiting on the decision? Well, the waiting is the hardest part, but here, if the judge wanted to stick with the, the TRO decision not to enjoin the rules, he could have done that very quickly. So my thinking was the longer this goes, the better our chances. Uh, I, you know, the guy who argued this, Cam Norris, has argued two cases in the U.S. Supreme Court. He said he has never been as nervous as he was in this because he's been a Vols fan since he was a kid. Uh, you know, we we put our all into this. I'm so grateful for General Miara's and Virginia partnering on this. Uh, it meant a lot to everybody. And, you know, the waiting was worth it. We got a great result here. And General Miars, I'll ask the same question to you. What what was it like the time in between the hearing to now where, where you get this outcome that you desired all throughout? Well, listen, we were confident, but as, as General Smetty would say, uh, you can go in the court and say the sky is blue and there's a 50% chance the judge won't agree with you. So uh, the waiting is the hard part, but we're we're glad at this moment to really start empowering our student athletes uh, again. I remember talking to a, a former ACC quarterback who told me he calculated the cost of his tuition versus all the hours he put in the weight room, in the film room, traveling to and from game day, practices and game day, and he divided it. And he said it was the, the, the value was less than half of minimum wage of the number of hours. And so, you know, these student athletes, so many of them will never be able to uh, be able to play professionally. And so they have this small window of time where they're able to possibly be rewarded. And we're, we're grateful for the fact that we have these NILs, but we're even more grateful that now with this preliminary injunction, these students can actually make informed decisions about what's the best place for them to continue their academic and athletic career. So uh, I applaud General Scametti. He first obviously came to me with this idea. He's been aware of my frustrations with the NCAA, and uh, I was really honored to be asked and honored to partner with him to help protect our student athletes. In General Scrimetti, what is the next possible course of action for, for the NCAA in this case? What, what, is, what is the expectation right now on your side of how they're going to handle this ruling moving forward? Well, they've got a few options here. They could appeal it, and it could go up to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, they could try to move forward with the case and, and get to a final judgment from the court sooner rather than later. Or they could look at retooling the system that has not worked. It's been broken. It's been unfair. Um, it needs a change. It, the end of this is not this case. This is the beginning of whatever the new order in college sports is. But there had to be a fresh start. What we had wasn't working, uh, and this is this is what it took to start the ball rolling in the next direction. So, you know, we're happy to talk with them if they want to start talking about ways to resolve this in the short run or the long run. Uh, we're happy to keep litigating if that's what it takes. We like our chances. But whatever happens, we are going to continue fighting to make sure that student athletes have fair and clear rules that are going to let them enjoy the benefits of the sports that, that bring so much joy to everybody. And General Miares, um, when you look at the possibilities now out in front of college sports, college football, the NCAA, whatever the legislating governing body is going to be moving forward, you know, we in sports talk or that talk about sports for a living, we're constantly throwing out, you know, Nick Saban, former college coaches, conference commissioners, there needs to be a player representative and an element. All these people need to be at the table to figure out what's next and how sports are going to be run in college. 
Do you think a, an attorney general or former attorney general maybe should be a part of those conversations also to have the legal background given now your influence in this and what's gone on with the NCAA in this case? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, through our lawsuit, we're going to have a seat at the table if we have some type of um, uh, negotiation on this. And we're open to that. But really, all of this is about is finally, just recently, we've seen empowering these student athletes, empowering these athletes uh, that have done so much to build college athletics to now, after the NFL, it's the most popular sports, uh, college football in particular, in the country and think about it, for years and years, if a student athlete receives so much as a $200 plane ticket so mom and dad could fly out to see them play, they would be considered an impermissible benefit. But they could walk into the bookstore and see a jersey uh, with their name on it being sold for 100 bucks. Uh, that was how distorted for years it was with the NCAA. So the NILs are the first step of what I hope is this new structure that comes forward that empowers these athletes that have generated untold billions of dollars over the decades and many of them never get to play professionally i have two senior members of my uh office in the virginia attorney general's office that both played college football they're both in their 40s now uh, they never played professionally but both their knees and their back and their shoulder problems are profound and it has left a huge impression on me on the on the price your body pays particularly if you're in football and the fact that you're not compensated for decades you weren't. So what these NIL does is it helps level the playing field and empowers the students. And it seems for so long, that seems to be the thing the NCAA did not want to do. It did not want to empower students. And we're, we're, we're proud to be able to be on the side of empowering these students, uh, these student athletes during this period. And we know the NCAA has been in a vulnerable position for, for quite some time, but because of what, you two gentlemen and your offices have accomplished here. I don't know they've ever been weaker or more vulnerable right now. And there's a lot of people asking for reform and for change in college athletics. We've had Senator Tommy Tuberville on this show. The NCAA is coming to Congress and saying, hey, pass bills, pass laws. It's going to help us govern college sports. And he's coming on our show and saying, well, you figure out your house. You figure out how to govern it. You figure out what to do. I'll ask both of you guys right now, because you're such a big part of it, if asked about a solution for college sports, would you want to be part of the change? Would you want to be to take that action, to be a part of whatever's next and offer your opinion and your two cents about how to make this work legally and how to make it fair for everyone involved? Absolutely. I mean, we, we did this to look out for the interests of student athletes and their interests aren't going to suddenly go away. Whatever happens, whatever changes happen, the same forces that got us into the bad spot we've been in are going to still be there. Uh, we need to make sure that the students at the heart of college sports, without them, there would be nothing to talk about. We need to make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah, I would echo that. I hope to be part of the discussion and part of the solution as we enter this new era of empowering these student athletes moving forward and making sure that they are they're properly rewarded for what they bring to the schools. I mean, we live in a pretty divided country, but one thing we recognize is sports has this amazing ability of bringing us together and uniting people. And uh, these student athletes are people that uh, that really represent the universities, their entire state. In some cases, they should be able to be rewarded. So we we look forward to be parting of that discussion. Uh, and you know, I'd like to note that you know, so often some of the big changes we've seen right now across the country are from our 
state attorneys general that uh, it seems like sometimes, you know, this the U.S. Senate has for years been able to tackle certain issues like big tech and the NCAA. They just haven't been able to get it done. So we're we're really proud of the fact that we can get some like minded folks together to get some change and even to get these discussions like we're having now. And so uh, we're proud to be able to be, uh, uh, you know, people of action that we can get this conversation moving. And we're really grateful for the ruling today. The Attorney General for the State of Tennessee, Jonathan Skirmetti, and the Attorney General for the State of Virginia, Jason Miares, have been our guests. Gentlemen, congratulations on the result today. And please come back on the show when you're at the table fixing college sports moving forward. We'd love to have you as a guest anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you. Honor. This is a perfect segue I have coming up right now that just popped in my mind. From one dumpster fire to another and another and another. Our three dumpster fires of the week on Hot Mike coming up next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We are back. Final segment of the week here on Hot Mike Across the Outkick Network, live from our downtown Nashville studios, Old Smoky Moonshine. Yeehaw beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart, our special guest co-host. Davey Hudson going to join us this segment also. We go from one dumpster fire, that is the NCAA, to our dumpster fires of the week right now. And I don't want to brag on us right now, but I think we got three pretty damn good ones this week. Uh, all three of us are ready to bring it. So I'm excited about that. Perfect close of the week. Might as well go in, uh, letting people know maybe who doesn't have it best right now in sports. Um, I'll begin, and I'll start right here in Nashville, about three or four miles down the road on West End at Vanderbilt University. Vanderbilt basketball is a train wreck, and not just because their team has greatly disappointed this season. Their fan support, the apathy shown there is at an all-time high. I'm not exaggerating when I think maybe 500 people are attending games at Memorial Gym, a place that used to be known for its great atmosphere and Memorial Magic. And just this past week, Jerry Stackhouse and his Vanderbilt Commodores lost by 35 points in Knoxville. They were down 32 at halftime. That was the largest halftime deficit from one SEC team to another, playing another since 1999, 25 years, since it's been that bad at halftime. Tennessee pulls their starters in the first half, won by 35, probably could have won by 60 in that game. They go home. They're a two-point underdog at home to a mediocre Georgia team, and they lose by about 20 in that game. After that game, there's a lot of speculation about Jerry Stackhouse's job security. He was asked about his job security, and here is what Jerry Stackhouse had to say about it. You know, that's one thing about about my job is that you know, whatever I got hired here to do a job and I've been trending in the right direction for a long time like you know I, I probably heard more things about net 
this year than, I, than I've ever heard about our net. You know, the last four years before that, when we increased our net every year, I hadn't heard anything about that. So we've been doing a lot of good things, trying to trend in the right direction. And, and I know it's a lot of noise out there, a lot of things. But, you know, one thing I can say, uh, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. You know what I'm saying? Because I got faith with the man upstairs that he that, that he put me in this position for a reason and everything that I'm going through right now, um, you know, with this team and off the court is ordained and the stuff that's going to make me better and I really feel about that. Um, you, know, you know, I hate that, you know, some of the narrative that keeps coming back, you know, deals with, you know, a tweet or something from, you know, 21. I mean, I, if I could take it back, I wish I would. But at that point in time, that's how I felt. And that's how I addressed it. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's, you know, there was 12 disciples, right? And there's only one of them was a Judas. There's a lot of people pulling for me. And there's a lot of people pulling for our team. And, I'm, and I just try to think about those people and, and make sure that I continue to, to do my job and focus on, on these guys and helping them get better. And then I'll live with the result from there. Look, I'm all good with biblical references, okay? We had Jonathan Isaac on the show. He's got a Bible verse on his sneaker that he's selling right now. All good uh, with biblical references. No problem with that. But I'm very confused. Is Who are the 12 disciples? Uh, is Jerry Jesus in this scenario? Who is the Judas? Is it Candace Story Lee, the AD? Or is it her boss? Or is it someone else trying to undermine him and the program? Is the Judas here actually existing? Or is he trying to make another comparison uh, the no weapon formed against me thing. There's a lot going on uh, with this answer to his job security at Vanderbilt, and that is why Vanderbilt basketball and Jerry Stackhouse is my dumpster fire of the week. Davey Hudson, you have the floor. Uh, first off, I think Jesus would be able to get Vanderbilt to the NCAA tournament for at least once out of five years. Jerry's not been able to do that. Uh, I made part of the Red Sea. I think he could beat Georgia at home also, right? If George, <laughs> if, if Jesus coached Vandy – I think he's at least getting them an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. No doubt. So I'm going to stick with the, some SEC basketball as well, Chad. And my dumpster fire of the week is Nate Oates. And if you've been paying attention to Alabama basketball, you saw that this earlier this week, uh, Mohamed Wagi, who is a center for the Tide, decided I'm going to try to give a kill shot to a Florida player in the back of the neck. Now, it's a dirty play. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But this just continues to show you that Nate Oates is not a leader of men, or at least not a good leader of men. You look at Nate Oates, he's terrible in front of the camera. There's been several situations where we go back to last year and the unfortunate murder of Janae Harris and his players' involvement in her death. He has no ability to actually discipline his players. It's one of those things to where Nate Oates is a great X's and O's coach one of the top five in the game. But he's either the worst public speaker of all time or he's on the spectrum. I'm starting to lead towards this guy <laughs> might actually be autistic. And I don't say that lightly. There are just some things about him that I just don't understand how you can be the leader of a program and allow the things that you've allowed to happen. And it continues to go on. I mean, earlier we saw the SEC give him a reprimand, real, real uh, difficult punishment there whenever he shoved a Missouri player uh, Wagee had a situation earlier in the year where he tried to stomp 
Auburn star Jemai Broom's hand. Like, this guy is a goon that Nate Oates keeps sending in there. He's obviously got problems, but Nate Oates, for whatever reason, he doesn't care or he just doesn't know how to handle these situations. They did release a statement that, now it says that Nate Oates put this out there. This was from the University of Alabama. We received the discipline for Mo from the SEC and agree with the suspension. After reviewing the film, the penalty is understandable and appropriate. I don't believe Nate Oates said this. I just think the PR team decided to put this out there. And I, if the SEC did not step in and suspend him, Alabama wasn't going to do anything. I, I can tell you that much. It's just the way that they have run this program. It's sad that you can be involved in a murder and get zero suspensions, but it's like, oh, wow, we got a dirty play. Well, the SEC is going to have to step in. There is no punishment for being an Alabama basketball player. Nate Oates has no control of his program, and even though he's a good great, he's a good X's and O coach, if you want to leave your kid to become a better man, don't send him with, to Nate Oates. Well damn said, Davey. I, I like the passion. I like the fire there uh, with that one on Alabama basketball. Kelly, we got about two minutes left, so you get to close us out with your dumpster fire. I hate to get away from all this college basketball talk so close to March Madness, but I could not get past this. I saw this on TikTok, and I thought it was really weird. There's actually a series of three TikToks. If you guys have ever seen the show Storage Wars, essentially, a guy named Vincent Broadway bought an $1,800 storage unit, and then he started opening it up. And he said the reason why it went for so much is because front and center, there was a, a small gun safe. And so the bidding went a little high. But when he got inside after he won it, he found tons of stuff. So turns out this uh, locker belongs to Maisie Smith, who plays for the Dallas Cowboys, was drafted last year, University of Michigan. $20,000 plus dollars in mostly unworn sneakers, tons of player exclusive content, Cleats, all that good stuff, right? Uh, Louis Vuitton bag. Uh, there was $12,000 solid gold Cartier glasses. But what I thought was really crazy was there is a 2022 University of Michigan playbook. Don't you have to give these things back? Now, I understand that they change every single year, but they don't change that much. Uh, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm, I'm kind of questioning why this got left in a random storage unit for whatever unbeknown reason. And let's just say there's 25, well, even more than that, $35,000, $40,000 worth of stuff in here. What are you paying for a 10 by 20 storage unit? 60, 78, I don't know. I haven't ha ever had a storage unit, full disclosure, because I think they're a waste of money. And clearly, Maisie Smith thought the same thing because he just stopped paying it. So shout out to the guy who's now going viral on TikTok. Three different series, and you can go see it right now. It's, it's absolutely bananas, some of the stuff he found. It makes me kind of think I need to go back to uh, my first love, and that is watching Storage Wars and trying to figure out how I'm going to get rich. Clearly, uh, Connor Stallion's not in charge of taking the, the playbook back, right? The, the chief espionage officer of Michigan football, I feel like, should have got that playbook back before he could put it in his storage unit. So. I guess Connor Stallions was uh, sleeping on the job a little bit. Somebody was. Yeah. Chad, when I was in college, I remember being at a party and it was at a football player's house. Though I got that playbook snatched out of my hands faster than I have ever seen anybody move. Got, got yanked because I, of course, being the sports fan, was very curious to what was in it. Yes. Those things used to be highly protected. Apparently not anymore. Kelly, great job today. Things we did not get a chance to get into that we will soon. Uh, dating stories with Davey and Kelly's Ooh. take as the girlfriend of Travis Kelsey in this hypothetical situation, what she would think about Kelsey nearly knocking 
old man Andy Reid to the ground. We'll get into that next time Kelly joins the show. Kelly, great job. Appreciate you co-hosting. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Terrific job by the team in studio with us here in Nashville. Have a terrific weekend, everyone. Bang hats.